Hello and welcome to the usually serviceable, hopelessly miscast, hopelessly miscast, usually serviceable podcast here at GCT. I've been transposing the order every time, so but it's okay. It's it's all the same. It's all the same order. Between you and Manus, that's where it came from. So love you, Johnny. Worse than Manus, but you know. yeah. Well, he's usually serviceable. He's definitely not miscast. No time. one's ever accused him of being hopelessly miscast. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's hopeless at things, but not at being cast. The, possibly the only uh, actor better than John Manus in the community is with us on the podcast today. Marcus Brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, shucks. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. humble staff member as well. Yeah. So we've, we've uh, had some you, really good answer to that glowing uh, drop in there, Marcus. Well, I, I, I just hope man, is Manus a regular listener? Uh, no one's My, a regular listener. I don't think listener. we have regular <laughs> listeners. <laughs> he, he may be calling in later. Yeah, I will make sure to share this with him. <laughs> he hears it. No, he, I mean, with Marcus's joy in our little podcast, we have two, two of the most stunning male actors on the podcast. You and you and Marcus. Oh, no, <laughs> that would be Kevin and Matt. Oh yeah, Kevin. Uh, yeah, uh, you and I, however, are. You know, oh, we're, we're barely. So we're miscast at every life. You're not <laughs> miscast in the upcoming show. Yeah, and a Evil show person. where Marcus and I will be uh, appearing on stage together. <laughs> so as father and son. As attempt, father and son, even though we're the same age. Drag, drag me along. I mean, one of us has to be miscast if we're playing. <laughs> well, I can make one Where's guess it? as to who that is. But, uh, it's not you. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I might beg to differ. I don't know how we're going to Irish this situation with my face on stage, but I'm sure we'll find a Lots of pancakes. Lots of pancakes. <laughs> I'm investing. It's more. our version of when Bright Star goes wrong. <laughs> so. And uh, maybe some scotch tape. Oh, yeah, some strings. Yeah. I'm sure I'll learn all kinds of life skills. You, you didn't read the uh, surgical part of your contract? Yeah. Show? Oh. Hey, getting paid for it. So, <laughs> yeah, speaking of getting paid for it. <laughs> so uh, between you guys, we have, you know, two of the three permanent staff members here at the theater. What's going on at GCT? Nothing. Okay. Woo. Fair enough. Lots Marcus, do you have a different answer for that? Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a situation where I get to do all my favorite things in, in a short amount of time. So, I, I, over the season, I get to I get to design, direct, perform, and tech all in the same season, but not necessarily all this moment. We're kind of just riding out the COVID waiting time like everybody else right now. I wonder how many people would agree that tech is one of their favorite things who's ever been in the show. Only a tech director would say. Yeah, someone who's actually performing the tech and not, you know, standing. <laughs> hey, move one foot. Oh. Yeah, my favorite main thing. Like but you've been on both sides of that approach. <laughs> you know the, uh, the joys and the pain. It's true. So, um, but yes, we do. Uh, we did shift our season around a bit, uh, thanks to our friends at the COVID Institute. Um, but we are still providing all of the same shows that we had planned. Uh, the uh, history of the United States abridged is now shifted back. February seventeenth. Yep. So seventeenth originally was open here this weekend, wasn't it? Oh, last week. Okay. So yeah, that's what shifted back. And Bright Star is now going to happen near the end of April and beginning of May. So uh, in Molinar between, got one, outside, outside Molinar, Molinar got jumped up to uh, March 17th to 27th. Yep. That's right. And uh, Marcus is the director of the 
Patrick's Day. That's right. That's right. We get to now open on St. Patrick's Day, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, me. very fitting. We will maybe for that show free Irish whiskey. What's, what's an Irish beer? beer? What's an Irish beer? Oh. <laughs> it's your favorite? Of right? course. Of course. We could make car bombs right here. At the, uh, car bombs, yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Some yeah. Boilermakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. IRA, and then we can have <laughs> Irish cuisine, which means we put everything in a pot and boil it for 18 hours straight. Uh, we're gonna skip. <laughs> I will something for spirits, not yeah. food. So. <laughs> a little rare bit stew. Yeah, we're gonna sell some bits. Whole, uh, there you go. Sell <laughs> little bowls of green peas. So yeah, then Mullingar, Bright Star, which is gonna be fabulous, and then close the season still with 100 days. So that will, it's been shifted back a week from the original date. So if you saw it on the website a few weeks ago, it's slightly different than now, but it's still roughly the same time frame. So, uh, okay. So what's next on our docket here? As I get a spam call right in the middle of all this, of course. Um, I think Annie jinxed me because she said how many spam calls she's been getting today. I've been getting worn out by him today. Yeah, some uh, maybe something special is happening today. Um, but anyway, so one of the things that uh, I always love to opine on because I have that kind of twisted brain is, you know, what what did people get wrong? You know, especially people who consider themselves experts in sports. You know, you'd say, well, the pundits got it wrong. Uh, Vegas betters get it wrong all the time. I can definitely relate to that because I get it wrong at betting all the time. So, but one of the things that uh, I was thinking about was a couple of topics. One was, you know, shows, whether they're musicals or plays that the critics initially panned for the most part, we'll say majority of critics at least. Uh, But audiences definitely did not uh, dislike the show. Or they, you know, it might have failed at the first run and then came back and critics were like, oh, no, here it comes again. And audiences loved it. So I did find several websites that just dealt with this topic, but I wanted to pass some by you guys. And really, you know, we'll move on to a corollary to this, but just kind of get your quick thoughts on it's. I have not seen most of these shows, but you guys have probably seen at least a majority of them. If you have any thoughts on it. And I can read you kind of a brief description on each one. So uh, I always screw up how to say this name, but it's uh, the Emily or Amelia or however you say that. Emily. Yeah, there you go. Um, It said this Broadway production uh, got relatively tepid reviews, closing after 27 previews and 56 performances. But its gradual transformation into glowing low-key musical has been a feat of theatrical endeavor and has had a triumphant five-star UK premiere ahead of a stellar run. Um, we're keeping our fingers crossed that it could come back. Again, this website is called whatsonstage.com, so they're assuming it's going to come back permanently, but I've never seen that show. I don't even know what it's about. I, so, I, I, I have to claim ignorance here, too. I have no now, idea. Uh, yeah, you give me a lot of credit, Paul. I, I'm, I'm a lot of the same about you. I, I have probably not seen the majority of these titles you're going to say on stage. However, I, I am pretty well versed in the movie that this musical is based on. 
So um, I've seen that a few now. It's been many years, but I, I can actually see the premise of this one making the transition to the stage far better than a lot of other titles out there where they're trying to turn movies into musicals. So right. um, with the right director, with the right design, I could really see that one actually being, you know, a, a really nice spectacle um, in, in the best possible way. But again, I, I haven't had the chance to see it myself. So is this one that audiences ended up uh, loving more than the critics had assumed they would? Oh yeah, they're they're saying that the critics panned it, yeah. and that audiences are, it's making basically it's it's getting a second wind, and audiences are coming back to see it, uh, at least in the UK. So now another one that was uh, it had on the list was uh, "Merrily We Roll Along," mm. and it said famous for causing a lengthy schism between Stephen Sondheim and director Harold Prince. The play premiered on Broadway where it managed a mere 44 previews and 16 performances. And it said, while Sondheim's tunes were widely applauded, many said the book was hard to decipher. And since then, the show has been tinkered and toyed with, with a spree of revivals winning the piece a variety of awards. awards. Never even heard of that show. (laughs) This is what I have heard of, but again, all secondhand. Uh, I kind of wish my wife were here because she's far more adept at talking about Broadway musicals and has either seen or heard first or secondhand, you know, real accounts of folks that have been there. Um, But no, I have heard very good things about this production. I want to say it was likely not the 1981 premiere of it that I was hearing about, though. You know, I think it has probably been some of these revivals that have yeah, come when since then. You weren't hearing about uh, Merrily We Roll Along and Sondheim when you were four years old? Well, <laughs> not, <laughs> not just that, but uh, you know, talking about productions of it, I'm sure have been. Well, I'm sure with Sondheim's recent demise, uh, it, uh, people who are big Sondheim fans, if they actually hear this podcast, they would be aghast that we sit here and go, what? Right. Now, you said that the book was overly complicated. Is that what the... That's what it said. It was hard I mean, to decipher. Isn't every Sondheim book hard mm-hmm. to decipher? Yeah, whether you're actor or audience. Yeah. So yeah. Performer, even the easier ones. Performer so is probably the toughest to do a Sondheim. Now, yeah. So. Now these next couple, for sure, I know we've, we've all seen and heard of well. The first one is Wicked. Um, and it said, Wicked had something of a rocky road before it reached superstardom. And the New Yorker wrote... The show's 22 songs were written by Stephen Schwartz, and not one of them is memorable. Whoops. <laughs> While the New York Times said, Wicked does not, alas, speak hopefully for the future of the Broadway musical. Ouch. Ooh. Uh, but the show has defied its critics as much as it defies gravity. Uh, <laughs> over 15 years on Broadway and more than a decade in the West End and is still drawing massive crowds. It's, it's a lovely show. I've seen it once locally at the Orpheum. Right. I enjoyed it. It's not one that I would am dying to see a second time. But if someone were to be like, hey, do you want to go see it? I have a free ticket. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a good show. I mean, clearly its success speaks for itself. It is interesting that guy said there wasn't a memorable song in it because that just seems oh, really yeah. Right. yeah, it's... I would say, I think one thing I'm saying, you know, kind of in common, I think probably what uh, what the critics had to say about Wicked at the time is is similar to what they have to say about Emily. Now, I think it's really, and probably a lot of 
you know, what we're seeing with uh, what's happening to Broadway since uh, Hamilton has come out. Not that anyone assumed Hamilton would flop, but it's really that audiences are changing. You know, audiences have been changing for, for a while, of course, and adapting. But I do think Wicked kind of began a sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, not a revolution, but there were certain types of audience members who were on the younger side that just adored that musical and for them, you know, it became kind of the, when I was in high school, it was all Les Mis Phantom of the Opera. That's like all we could talk about. Right. And, and these were before we'd even gone to see it. In fact, I've gone to see both of those shows since I was a huge fan of their soundtracks and visualized what it would look like. And I was disappointed every time, but it was always built up in my mind as something fantastic and spectacular. And I think that's uh, one thing that happened for sure with, um, with Wicked. And then when, uh, you know, when, when the kids went to see it, it's got a brilliant design behind it, the original Broadway production too. That had a lot to do with it. So, you know, flying effects was something that was not widely used before this one, but has been since. And uh, taking a familiar story and taking an interesting twist, there's nothing really brand new about that, but we've definitely seen it a lot more since the production of that musical. And so I think it introduced a lot of things, but I can see why, I mean, I still haven't seen it. Uh, and um, I know the music, though. It's wow. one of those that would be a great family one. I'd love to take my daughter. To Sacrilege. You haven't seen Wicked. I have not seen wow. Wicked. I've never seen it. I know the numbers. I know the story. <laughs> know the book it's based on. Um, but uh, it's it's just different enough that Broadway critics who have been, you know, doing this with Broadway shows for years are going to look at it and be like, man, I don't know. That's weird. And I could think that's, that's probably what's happening with Emily right now, too. Right. Like this is not the thing that audiences want to see, and they're just dead wrong about what audiences want right, right. now. Which, I mean, we know happens all the times and with films and TV as yeah, well. Sure. I mean, it's so I, I have seen that one, uh, one of the few I have seen. And it's, you know, I, I'm kind of like you, Brian, except that if somebody offered me a free ticket, I still would be like, okay, I'm good. Um, <laughs> just because I, it was, I don't know, it was a bit too campy for my taste. Um, because it adapted off of source material that I detest. Right. Um, unless <laughs> right. I'm sitting with a fine beverage and listening to Dark Side of the Moon at the same time so that I can play Dark Side of the Rainbow. Um, just because that's the kind of person I am. I, these are the things I think about when I'm home alone and the TV is broken. <laughs> um, so next up, you brought it up, Marcus is Les Mis. That it didn't fare too well when it first opened at the Barbican. I may be saying that wrong. It said, if you told Michael Ratcliffe of The Observer back in 1985 that Les Mis was set to become the longest running West End musical in history, he wouldn't have believed you. As he described the show as, quote, witless and synthetic entertainment, unquote, when it first premiered. Hmm. But the company took the mantra one day more to heart. And after gathering huge box office figures, it continued from strength to strength and transferred from the Barbican into the West End, where it remains to this day, and in many other theaters to this day, all the way from children up through the ages. So my mother, Les Mis, is her favorite musical, bar none. Uh, I have seen Les Mis a couple of times in local theater here in Memphis, and I'm not saying, I mean, I... It's not just because I know a lot of the actors in it now. I, you know, they did a good job with it. Uh, I personally think the show is boring and I am, I have multiple, you know, it's not my career resume here. Uh, I have multiple history degrees 
it's a historical show. I don't dig it. Uh, I, it's just, it's too long. Uh, some of the songs are very dirgy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, eh, I, I walked away going, eh, it's okay. I, I definitely think it's a show that, that toes a couple lines, right? It walks this border of being too long, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it gets real close to being too schmaltzy. It gets real, real close. I totally and for agree. some people, tips completely over the line. But for other people, it just lands right on that emotional, you know, it's, it's heartfelt to them. They love it. They love the emotional parts. Um, but it really does play pretty, it has a pretty strong hand when it comes to those elements. Plus, you know, a lot of musicals leading up to that time were musicals which means there was a story and there's a number and there's a story and there's a number and this kind of introduced back into american musical theater again the idea of it's practically being an operetta and now we've seen a, we've seen that happen over and over again since lame is but at the time i wonder if it was just presumed that it might be too much for audiences to handle a long time to sit down and watch and listen and having to care about you know, a, a history that's not even an American history. So are Americans even going to care, but they could still relate to it. And I just think that its fans became super fans immediately. And, uh, you know, those that loved it, loved it. And that emotional, you know, arc to it and that kind of operetta style, those that dug it really dug it. And it's, uh, you know, not going anywhere. Of course, it, its biggest success, as you said, has been in the West End. So over in Europe, I'm sure it feels a little bit more, uh, you know, relatable in, in its history right. uh, across the pond than it does to us. You know, we don't have the kind of Hamilton American history connection to it that uh, they probably do over there, but still people here, you know, it's their favorite. And I think it's partially because it's an epic story and it is so emotional, which turns some people on. And for some people, it just immediately goes, Oh God. <laughs> you know? Right. I think it's interesting. You know, we, the, the name of this podcast is kind of a riff off of reviewers. And what this list is kind of showing me is how wrong reviewers can be, even super respected ones. I mean, that are, that are famous because they're reviewers and reviewers are probably wrong almost as much as they're right. It's, it's hard to envision sitting through. And again, it's Les Mis is long. I, I cannot imagine a reviewer sitting through Les Mis and just listening to the music and thinking, oh, this sucks. I, I yeah, how do you, I how that. do you do that? It's well, you know, the staging that I I've seen, I saw the, the playhouse production. I loved it. Um, the staging was somewhat minimal given the budgets and stuff like that. But man, when those guys just sing that music it's just it's it's frankly stunning and you know we, we know philip friend of the friend of the pod yep uh, who who played mm-hmm. the lead in that that production i mean i don't know how a broadway uh or west end reviewer could come and see the playhouse version of it and listen to philip sing those songs and be like yeah, that's not good i mean it's it's just such a beautiful show vocally it, it just is hard to imagine having that opinion of that show i agree and it's i mean i will say for for philip you know it, no being a friend of his like the rest of us it's you know i i've had a specific discussion with him about that show and he says he understands why there is a dichotomy of people who think it's really great 
and people who are kind of very like more on my side, like, meh, I don't know people who think it's just complete garbage. <clears throat> I just, uh, like I said, it, it, it's really a downer to me how long it is. Uh, I think it just drags along in some parts, but you know, I, uh, you know, not to, you know, worship at the feet of the singing of Philip, but yeah, I mean, it, he has said that is definitely, you know, we all have our shows that it's like, if I could do that part, you know, it, it's like, I don't need to really think about it. I've thought about that part so many times. I, I know I could nail it. And that's one of his. And oh, sure. I've told him, I'm like, you do. You've nailed yeah. it. I've seen you do it twice. Um, so he's been asked to sing song, different Jean Valjean songs at yeah. different venues in town for that. And uh, he said every time it takes him right into the park. So, I mean, how do you sit through, bring him home? And not get goosebumps. I just, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know how you do. I mean, that song is just, sure, it's haunting and maybe a little bit, you know, uh, what was the word we were using earlier? Schmaltzy, maybe. Yeah. But if, if you allow yourself, <laughs> if you allow yourself to just sit back and listen and enjoy it without trying to overthink it, it's such a good, good number. Yeah. So powerful. I agree. So here's a couple more for you guys. And this next one I have not seen, but actually this was, I remember my sister, my older sister went on a trip when she was 15 with my father and stepmother to Europe. And this was the first musical she said she ever had seen in a real theater, as she put it. And she said she was so confused by the whole thing, but thought it was cool to watch. And I, like I said, never seen anything about a production of it or anything. I can't really envision it is Starlight Express. <laughs> I, she just, just said, she came back and said, of course, from a 15-year-old, said, it's a bunch of roller skating. And at the time when she saw it, she she had always been, ever since Greece, she had been an Olivia Newton-John fan. And she was one of the three people in America I knew who loved the movie Xanadu. Because Olivia Newton-John was in it, she said it was like Xanadu on roller skates. So she liked it, but, you know, it was kind of like she didn't understand it. So the the article here says critics didn't mince words when it first premiered on Broadway. Frank Rich, Frank Rich of the New York Times saying the show was, quote, and he used the same word here, a confusing jamboree of piercing noise, routine roller skating, misogyny, and Orwellian special effects. <laughs> The experience is, is about as involving as standing on the sidelines while other people take one of the lesser rides at Disneyland, unquote. Hmm. And the article just says brutal. You know, I, I've, I've, I've not seen Starlight Express because, frankly, it's quite hard to stage. Um, right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a commitment. I just imagine rollerball on a stage. I will something. absolutely say if I had the opportunity to see Starlight Express, I would absolutely want to see it to see the spectacle. And of the course, so much of literal train wreck or yes. just <laughs> absolutely. I'd be waiting for the skating race. What are we doing? The wheelbarrow? I don't the, think that a critic yeah. said a word wrong in that article, but <laughs> you know, Brian was saying sometimes critics are wrong. Well, it depends on what you mean by wrong. I think they might be getting wrong what the audience reaction or what the box office success quote unquote might be. But uh, I mean, I would probably get in line to see it too, you know, simply because 
you know, in our, in our very, you know, zenial, ironic, uh, sarcastic way, we just kind of want to go see, we, we want to see how they pull it off one. And then second, probably just laugh at it. You know, it's funny that she relates it to Xanadu because from what I understand, the stage production of Xanadu is just one big satire of itself. Like it is very <laughs> self-aware about how culty, and by that I mean cult see, following. Well, but, that would know, make yeah, me want to see Xanadu. Stupid, you know, because I love Rocky shows Horror, that are... but but you know, completely yeah. self-aware about how ridiculous it is. And I don't think Starlight Express, at least originally, was meant to be that. You know, right? Like, and, and you're saying Xanadu, you've heard, just kind of leans into that. It leans it's into like, it, right? And that, to me, I love that kind of message because it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're fine. You think we're really campy and schmaltzy? We're going to own it. We're going to lean yeah. into it and say, yeah. We farted on stage. Yeah, right. Come well, watch us do it. If I were to get my hands on a production of Starlight Express, I would probably do it, but completely go in that direction. And maybe yeah. just really oversell how serious it is. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, Cats on Wheels was just nothing that I other thought would <laughs> really on. be successful. So is that really on the list of ones that they got wrong? As in that it was uh, hugely yeah, successful? Yeah, because it's saying it's still, I mean, it still, it still has successful big. runs all around the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lloyd Webber, you know, oh, yeah. gave us some very interesting pieces of theater. I mean, that's definitely, if that's the case, that's definitely a polished turd of gold. So, I mean, so here, here's the last one. And I will say this I'd rather yeah. see Starlight Express than Cats. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. totally, yeah. That's not even a. I, I've question. seen a couple of productions of Cats in my life. And, you know, it, here's I mean, like like that one. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. Maybe it's on the list. Maybe I shouldn't say anything yet. Uh, say, you know, Cats. <laughs> You can watch it and be very impressed with how what everybody accomplished in that, but still walk away going, "Oh, Lord." <laughs> well, we did. Uh, I don't. Even, I don't know if you were even here on staff yet, Marcus. No, we did wasn't. a pod last year, year before when we were really in a salty mood, and so we we <laughs> It'll be closed turned on for six months. Cats, yeah. The movie on HBO Max. Oh wow! We'll, I, I went back and I've heard some of your episodes, your earliest ones, but I missed the watch alone. We had that playing <laughs> in the background. The whole time, and every few minutes, one of us would look up and go, "Oh my God, look at uh, uh, like why are they doing that?" Yeah, it's good times. I was like, uh, "If this sorry. is what cats really do, I, this is why I don't have a cat." <laughs> um, so, it's I mean, it's enough to watch a cat lick itself all all the time. But yeah. so here's the last one, and this this is one I'll say this theater at least lately the last few years has a complicated relationship with. Oh, Brian's immediately going to react. Uh oh, The Crucible. Uh oh, oh yeah. <laughs> And here's the article. And while certainly not the favorite of anyone studying English language, it turns out The Crucible wasn't a big hit with the critics either. When it first premiered in 1953, they were largely hostile. Uh, even, even Miller himself thought the production was too stylized and cold. And Jack Gaver from the Dallas Morning News saying it was, quote, interesting at times, but nevertheless a bore unquote mm. after a it says a rejigging and some directorial changes the piece still went on to bag the tony award for best yes. new play um the crucible does run in theaters all around i'd say probably mostly community theaters these days uh gct's put it on multiple times right no we've just oh, just the once. one yeah. yeah well it felt like multiples um <laughs> yeah we this theater is i'd say a complicated relationship with that production at least two people in this room do i don't know if marcus saw it 
and has the I, same complex I, relationship with it. It was very do. stylized production, if I remember correctly. It was very stylized. Uh, I think uh, here's the thing. I think I have seen the first few minutes on DVD of that produ- of that production done here at one point. Wow. Um, but that's that's you turned it off that of quick, my, did you? That's the extent of my experience with the uh, Germantown Community Theater Crucible production. I, I mean, it it was as an actor you read that script and you immediately want to do it. The question is, does anyone want to watch you do it? And I just don't know. I, you, you could, again, put the critic. I, I understand why the critic said what he does. You could put the best actors in the world in that show. Matter of fact, I think the best actor in the world performed it on film and Daniel Day-Lewis as John Proctor. Right. Um, it's, it's a hard watch. Um, and it's not, it's not a hard watch because it makes you uncomfortable. It's just, there is a lot of time you're like, get on with it, you know? Right. Uh, the show, I think, could stand to lose about an hour of oh, what it is. Easily. If you shorten that show to 145 to two hour runtime and, and cut a lot of the, un, frankly, unnecessary stuff in it out, um, I think there's a really good show in there. I do think it is freaking too long. Well, and people have done it. Granted, I don't think they're really supposed to. Most people that get their know, hands yeah. on it and do heavy editing that put on pretty interesting productions never truly get the permissions they're supposed to to do that. Correct. And I don't yeah. know what kind of, I don't remember. I have directed this before as a high school theater director and teacher. And I, I'm sure I edited it, it down for those purposes, you know, but that was in the education so. realm. But uh, I honestly don't remember the stipulations that Miller himself or the rights company have put on it, but it's probably one of those that they want you to stay very true to the script. But I think that could also be its downfall, just like you uh, said. Yeah, and I'm sure but, Miller and other people would say, oh, you, you just don't get the meaning out of all of it if you cut this or you cut that. I mean, I, I will say, again, as a student of history, I, I, uh, that is a time period and event area. Well, I'll say an event time frame in history that I love, I devour material of mm-hmm. uh, several books, podcast series. If I see it, I'm going to download it and listen to it, even though I've heard it over and over. But that said, seeing that show, and I had seen it before GCT and was not impressed. And I saw it here and it it really didn't, and, and I'm not just saying this, uh, it really didn't have anything to do with the actor's or the director or the way anything like that. It was just, yeah, it's so, it it just is so draggy. And so I thought at times the writing was full of itself. Like I'm going to extend this out and show you this because I just feel like this is deeper character exposition. And I watch it and go, no, this is just, fluff this is just talking for the sake of talking do you know marcus off the top of your head Mm -hmm. which came first crucible or death of a salesman um let's say all my son's death of a salesman and the crucible you know i'm guessing that the those two i believe came i think the crucible was came later Okay. And here's why I say that. I think Arthur Miller was caught up a little bit in the in the communist witch hunt that was happening in Hollywood at the time due to his first two plays. Really, in fact, I know that all my sons garnered a lot of focus on him. Was he anti-war? Was he? So, you know, the crucible, which is funny when I hear you say that the author himself found that it was too stylized in a production, because in my mind, you have to be stylized with that a bit to pull it off to an audience, especially today. But it, it it in fact is a piece that was his response to 
you know, what he considered to be the witch trial. Yeah, McCarthyism. Uh, yeah, right, of the, McCarthy, of the McCarthy trials. So it was his response to that, which in a way is very stylized to take an American historical event and then to relate it to today's happenings and to, to make a point. It does, though, kind of answer the question as to why may, maybe white was so popular at the time. The people that were in the theater and on the left side of things and that were trying to be artistically minded and... Um, and were probably a little bit more on the socialist side of things than than others at the time, probably loved what he was doing on stage with the message. Mm -hmm. And that could account for a lot of why it got such great attention among artists. And, and, and it does say Death of a Salesman premiered February 10th, 1949. Okay. So uh -huh. at the Morosco Theater in New York City and the Crucible premiered January 22nd, 1953 yeah, at yeah, the Martin yeah, Beck yeah, Theater. Yeah. I, again, I, 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 Personally, I think that Death of a Salesman is the best piece of American theater ever. I feel that strongly about it. It still holds up with its capitalistic themes and, you know, the themes of family and failing as a parent and trying to do the best by your kids. It, it, I think it is... It's definitely right very up there. passionately about that show. And well, Arthur Miller, I mean, you can't, you, you can't say that he isn't one of the more brilliant American writers we've ever experienced in the theater for sure. So, you know, I, I feel like it, it, what seems like long windedness and it is long windedness in the crucible, I'm sure at the time for him, there was very specific meaning in, in all of that, but in all of his shows, there's so much character development just in the dialogue. And so, you know, it, that's very important, but I, yeah, it is a little overdone and done in a way that doesn't necessarily service, you know, the conclusion of the story in uh, the crucible, it just seems like there's so much there uh, to parse through. Now, I've I've been in the show before when I was very young in my high school. I, I've I've directed it. it. It lands in that same kind of category, I think, with Our Town, where the further we get into Ooh. and and there's a wonderful production of Our Town happening right now. This is not to say anything about it. I love the show, but I know so many people don't. As I'm glad it, well, you enjoy because it. of where it. Like, yeah, my I'm boss glad one of three right critics now, in this room agree. Colin it, Robinson <laughs> loves that show. He loves it so much, oh, especially I, when they have talk back. Uh, I, mean, I absolutely. Detest art. <laughs> it holds a very special place in my heart, but as a production that sticks to the language, sticks to the design, like you got to do it this way, and it's so dated and it feels so long, even though it's our town really isn't. It has, has that feel. I, it is. I, our town, I wish the angel of death would show up at the beginning and just wipe <laughs> everyone out so it's over. That's the way I feel about our town. Well, that's what I, I did. It I get it. a similar it's, place in history and in people's minds and hearts, but there are some hardcore theater for theater sake people that love both those shows. And then there are others that are seeing the value of it for audiences today and say, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to even attempt to do it because no one wants to pay to go see it. So, you know, I, I write both sides of that. Well, place, I mean, depending I, on it, like our town, you know, even if you don't like crucible or death of a salesman or any of these, it, I totally get the, you know, some people will love it because of, you know, different things that affect them. There's different pieces they pick out of something like that. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it everybody's got something like that, whether it's, again, some piece of creative art out there, whether it's actual drawing art, a film, uh, you know, a show, uh, you know, a book, anything like that, where you can, Something sticks in your mind. I mean, for me, like you were, we were talking earlier about that lame is, you know, when you hear bring him home, it gives you goosebumps. I mean, to me, you know, Phantom is always a show. I loved the music even as a kid. And 
a lot of people have told me they get goosebumps when they hear the theme, you know, the actual theme song or music of the night. I got goosebumps and I still do when I hear it done well. And they're at the climactic point of point of no return. Sure. And there's about five seconds there where he's belting and the orchestra is right there with him right before the gunshot rings out. That's oh, when I get the feeling of ooh that that I, moment when he is singing with Christine those counter melodies. Yes, it's just it, so it's powerful, haunting yes. and gorgeous, and I, the theme of the show overall. There are themes in that show that are definitely me too troubling today. Yeah, but when I think about moments <laughs> of that show, like that moment, there's about five or ten seconds there where I get goosebumps from that. Yeah, uh, when it's again. I've seen it when it's not done right, and it made me want to get up and walk out. Yeah, then, I don't. I don't like the latest revision they did to it. Um, that big, that last big revision where they kind of reblocked the whole thing and restaged it. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer the original on that. But yeah, I mean, with with the Crucible, I again, I get the historical context of it. I enjoy that piece of it, but it's. Yeah, if you could find a way to do it in an hour and a half, hour and 40. There's a great show in there somewhere. Yes, I agree. Yeah, And I think yeah. it's it probably for the time, as we're saying, 1953, totally different time. And I know the social message he was going for and political message. I, I think times change. Yeah, and if you're a serious actor and don't want to be in that show, I'd question how serious of an actor you are. Right. Honestly. I agree. It's an actor. There's so much meat there to chew on. Unfortunately, it doesn't really translate into enjoyment for the audience. That may be, that may be yeah, a lot of its exactly. problem. It's a little bit of a exercise in, in self-pleasure, I think, for a lot of actors. Yes. <laughs> yes. So on the similar theme, Brian, you had some some uh, Broadway shows that are about to get adapted into movies. Or That's recently right. That's been right. So, uh, so what I would like to ask you guys, I'm going to give you a list of shows that are uh, Broadway shows that are now going to be adapted to movies. I just want your opinion of I'm there opening night. Um, I will maybe see it. That is a uh, when it's free on Netflix or <laughs> no way, no time. No. So some rapid fire responses That's to right. these titles. Okay. Uh, cool. So the first show I've got for you is Cyrano and Cyrano. Uh, right. Normally me personally, I'd be like, no way, never. However, this Cyrano will be starring Peter Dinklage, who right. was in the show yes. Off-Broadway in 2018. Because he's in it, I will see it when it comes out on video on a streaming service. Otherwise, I would say hell no. Uh, I have actually, I, that is one of the few works of that, t- uh, you know, going back to high school days. When we were supposed to read books and I didn't read many of them. I did read Cyrano. Uh Mainly because I love the movie Roxanne and Steve Martin's adaptation of Cyrano <laughs> yes. as Rock, yeah. with Roxanne. That was probably all of our actual introduction to that. Right, exactly. Story, right? And I'm so sure. that forced me to think, I'm going to read this someday. And in high school, we got assigned it. And I was like, oh, great. I'll actually read this one. Uh, so if it was not Dinklage or someone like him in that role, I would say, no, I'm good. Uh, I'll see it. Uh, but for the same reason. And I have seen... I've seen some live stage production and that's another one that can be really weighty long and, and crazy, but I loved it when I saw it because of the production, because of the cast. And so because it's someone who I would really, I really respect and would love to see a, a performance of. Yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy my ticket. Number two. Uh, and this is the first of many of these examples. It is a show that was originally a 
movie that was then adapted to a musical and now it's going back to a movie as a musical. This already sounds bad. Yes. Emma Emma Thompson is attached to this one. So I don't know if that might weigh into you, but Matilda. No. No, Zero zero interest. You know what? I even loved the book as a kid and I like Roald Dahl's writing, but I didn't like the movie adaptation. I liked the the Broadway musical well enough, but not enough that I'm going to run out. My daughter saw the the version when it came to the orphan directed by our own Christina Hernandez at uh, Riverdale Elementary School. That's right. uh, You'll be seeing that musical quite a few times. Hope you enjoy it. I'll be in line for that one, but uh, I don't think I will rush to the theaters. Yeah, the movie version, no. I'm good. Uh, referencing a, a show that was on your list, uh, Wicked is coming to oh, yes. this, to the uh, the big screen, uh, starring Ariana Grande. <laughs> zero, yeah, definitely zero. I the fact that they cast her, I may be dragged there by my wife and daughter. I'm not sure, but no, I would not. I, I'm not showing them. Uh, on I, I won't yeah, be there. That one. And hey, I, I have. As much respect for that movie as I really did for the musical when it came out anyway, which means not a lot, but I bear it no ill will, but I'm not spending my money on girls. No. Uh, Maybe if Ariana Grande was not in it, I might be interested in seeing it when it streams eventually. But uh, yeah, I just am not a fan of Miss Grande. Me either. I'm going to give that a miss. Um, So this is is actually being uh, made into a series on Netflix uh, by our good friend uh, Ryan Murphy. A chorus line. They're they're uh, stretching the story of chorus line over multiple episodes. So it's fame twenty twenty two essentially. Yeah. yeah, as a limited series. Yes. Uh, I, mean, yeah, huh. I might. It, that's another one. That, yeah, I'm, I'll I'll. I'll, I'll watch it on TV, probably with my wife. She probably has a bigger connection to it, to my own, but it's not yeah. anything I'm setting my calendar for. I, I don't think I'll put it in my list, but if it pops up and it's the right Saturday and it's limited as in like three or four episodes, I'll burn through it. If it's more than four, no. Hmm. I'm not going to commit more than, you know, four 45-minute episodes. How do we feel about... Um... Beautiful, the Carol King story. No, zero. Uh, Tom uh, Hanks producing, I, but I don't see. I'd rather watch a documentary, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. Okay. My, my wife said the production was gorgeous. She, the music is great. I'm sure, as a musical on stage, if you're a fan, that it would be worth it. But um, yeah, no. I just don't dig her music, so that's yeah. I mean, that would be like okay, we're gonna do a musical and then do a movie version all together in rep of i don't know some rap artist or some country artist other than old school country hey we've got the martina mcbride story now i'm good thanks <laughs> same thing uh like uh, kind of on in line with musicals no one has to be put back on oh, no. the screen uh, guys and dolls no <laughs> no zero uh, less than zero oh boy i yeah i mean about i'm i'd be about the same interest level as i was with west side story which means you know i'm gonna duck and cover and stay away from my other theater friends that gush and gush and gush and be like uh, yeah, no, Marcus is running for cover shots uh, fired <laughs> and with that gentlemen i hate to do it i have to bow out for the no. rest of the episode um i look forward to returning marcus has family ones. obligations <laughs> yeah, got yeah. kids to go pick up yep no we get we get it so we'll get we'll the, start earlier next time right. get them children's all right yes. that was fun so uh, thank you for joining us i will see you all very soon hopefully 
everyone is uh, alive and driving tomorrow. So unfortunately, one of the two great actors on this uh, podcast is dropping off. So yeah. Brian's left. No. Anybody still listening? No, no. Everyone just tuned out. But we have more, more shows to talk about between you and, yeah, okay. me and you, Paul. Little Shop of Horrors with Taryn Edgerton, Starlet Johansson, and Chris Evans. Yeah, I saw a picture of Chris Evans on your computer, and I that that's almost like a... I, I, Mar- Marcus is having a t- hard time just walking away with that. Yeah. It's special to me, but I don't think a new, per- a new movie can... That's that's where I'm at. I, I I don't know that I want to. It's it's similar to the Roxanne Cyrano thing to me. I don't know that I want to flush the memory out or add to the memory with that. I Cyrano is different because it's they're actually doing the real adaptation of Cyrano, not a modern take. But see, Marcus, um, yeah, the. You know this one with Little Shop. Uh, you know I, I, I don't know. Probably not. I'd say probably not. Okay. Uh, another one of the. It was a movie. Let's make it a musical and then let's ship it back to a movie uh, as a musical. A uh, Mean Girls. No, I I never saw any of the original. I just didn't have any interest. I know you saw it on Broadway. Yeah, we were actually right? talking about this specific show before I actually looked at this list. I didn't know it's going back to a, a movie, uh, but uh, I did was dragged to this show on Broadway with my wife. It was not something I wanted to see, but she was dead set on seeing. Uh, and then, I mean, to go back to again, it's, it's a dumb weird. question, but to reconfirm, the original movie of this was a Tina Fey project, correct? A Tina Fey did the. I think I think she wrote the original movie she script. Original, though. I, I don't that I, I or she can it was her. I think she had the story and she helped, she co-wrote it. I believe mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong on that, but I I mean I love Tina Fey's writing and her content and stuff. I still just had no interest in that. But maybe that's coming from a gender perspective. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I just well, Mean Girls was not marketed to us, but yeah, I mean yeah. I I totally saw the appeal. I just didn't have interest myself in it. I, I do think uh, eventually when the rights are released to the show, I do think it would do very well here. As I do agree with that. Uh, and that will be something we will certainly be looking at doing whenever we can do it. Yes. Uh, the next show. Oh, no. I'm just going to go ahead and say, no, I see it. Yeah. Never. Give it a zero. Go ahead. Uh, Fiddler on the roof. <laughs> no, it's one of my least favorite shows of all time. Way too long. Too long. Uh, Among the other ending things. is such a, Meh. Yeah, thing. it's the ending. I've always had the, the trouble with the ending. Is the issue, and I, I, I know a lot of people love the music of Fiddler. There are very few songs, in my opinion, in Fiddler that are good. Sunrise, sunset. Clearly, if I were a rich man, the rest of the songs are. Uh, yeah, you not. So. A, you don't dig Matchmaker. No, <laughs> I do not enjoy I, Matchmaker. I will say, I, I have a very thin parental connection to sunrise sunset because the first show my older son carson ever did was at farmington elementary here in germantown and it was a review and he tried out for the show got in and then tried out for solo parts and got a a couple solo parts one of them being the male the groom in sunrise sunset so i always think of that show that song fondly Mm -hmm. And that made me want to go watch the movie version of the show. 
And I was thinking, when is this ever going to end? First, when is it ever going to get to that song so I can actually go, ah, and then when can I turn it off? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah zero interest. Yeah. Uh, a, a show that you mentioned earlier, Merrily We Roll Along. Is oh, made into well, that's, yeah. That's... Uh, starring Ben Platt, which, you know, of course, was in the uh, Pitch Perfect movies, which kind of then, per- I think, pushed him towards starring Dear Evan Hansen. Right. I believe was he the in Deer and Hansen the movie version? Is that correct? I, I think he was. Yeah. Uh, I uh, that was another movie that kind of flopped. Yeah, uh, exactly. I hasn't he gotten the the people say that he has a reputation of being a dick? I I don't know. I, I don't thought know. I'd heard that, but that's know. just a complete side question. I no, I don't have any interest in that either. I, yeah, I just. It's in general, like, eh. I personally I understand the genius of Sondheim and how hard it is to perform Sondheim and how difficult it must have been for him to write that stuff. Me personally, it's not something I enjoy listening to. Yeah, so. I mean, I Sondheim, I it's always been Sweeney Todd or bust mm-hmm. for me, and I got to be in Sweeney Todd here at GCT. Yeah, uh, with our very good friend Kever, and yeah. Uh, getting to, I, I still tell him, even though there were challenges, we'll say, with that production, um, I tell him while there were parts of the show that, you know, could have been better. That's every show I've been in, but that's okay. I mean, that's areas for development. One of the feathers I will always have in my cap is getting to perform Pretty Women with him. Yeah, yeah. Every night, as of course he was Sweeney Todd, I was not. Uh, beginning to play Judge Turpin alongside his Sweeney and sing that song with him. Turpin's great. Was role. a joy. Yeah, Turpin's great role. Uh, but yeah, other Sondheim shows, uh, meh. Uh, next show Once on This Island. It's a show I had no knowledge of, never heard of it. Um, it would be brand new as a movie to me. My wife directed it uh, when she was a teacher at Whitehaven. Okay. Uh, her high school did it. And I really, and again, Whitehaven high school production, I really enjoyed. Uh, it's an hour and a half show, no intermission. Got some really cool music in it. Um, some really cool imagery and stuff. That's one that I personally would, I, will, I would watch on streaming. I'm not going to run out. Let's be honest. I don't go see a whole lot of movies in the theater. I, I tend to just wait. Well, to be fair, you don't have the chance either. You have young, two young children at home. That's true. Be very, very. Uh, I see cautious. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal in our next movie. He's attached to star in Fun Home. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of that one. I, I have not, I have not seen it. Um, I guess because he's in it. I mean, I like him as an actor. I would be uh, i might watch it when it comes on streaming definitely a streaming one for me fun home is one of the more powerful shows i was able to see on broadway uh probably top three as far as just from a powerful show not a pure enjoyment show but like just one that definitely makes you think after it i don't again i don't know if jake joan hall can sing or if he's really fit for a musical but uh i understand right. when you take these <laughs> Uh, 
Broadway things and throw them on the the big screen. You need well, names, and so you know he's got a big. F the lame is in Phantom movies definitely proved you don't need to be able to really sing that well. That's true. That's true. Hugh uh, Jackman aside, everybody this is, else. This is one that I've not seen. Um, don't know anything about. It's a uh, a musical called The Band. Uh, Never heard of it. So yeah, I just saw three something. women. I said, please tell me this is not the 18th Little Women adaptation. No, no. I was gonna not. vomit on your computer. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm. I would say I probably would not see that unless yeah. it's highly recommended by someone I trust. Right. The Color Purple again, another one that wasn't that. That was a movie, right? Uh, yes, and, and then adapted into yeah into a musical, and then they're putting it back on the silver screen as because I think Danny Glover and Oprah Winfrey were in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oprah and because movie, it was a yeah. book first. Yeah, yeah, before that. Yeah, based on the I, Pulitzer Prize winning novel by Alice Walker. It's, I mean, you know, I remember uh, for some reason what stuck in my head is, I mean, and I know it's, I know obviously the source, what the subject material is about. The, I, I remember my, I guess my mom had the book. I read the first couple of pages out of curiosity and put it down and said, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, nah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, no. I just, it, it's. You know, and it's very, it's not because it's tougher source material. It's just, I just don't really have interest in seeing that. Yeah. Here we go. Uh oh. This looks very this is, unpromising. This is um, another one. Should I say zero now? No, this is one that I will absolutely. Oh, okay. This, this might be the only one that's, that's not will, Moulin Rouge that I will see opening night. Okay. What is it? Um, it's a show that's on our schedule already. Okay. Uh, originated as a movie, went to Broadway, and now it's going back to the movies as a musical. Spam a lot. Yes, I'll see that too. Yeah, I, I may not be opening night, but it will be pretty soon after. Now, night. okay, so here's an interesting question because we're both well-versed in that one. Yes, yes. And I know you've probably watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail way more times than I have, uh -huh. but I've watched it enough to know a lot of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, what would you put the, the DraftKings FanDuel, you know, win bet odds at that you will walk out at least mildly disappointed? Mildly disappointed? I'm sure I will be mildly disappointed, but and generally, I think I would be happy walking out of that movie theater just to be able to see it, that. Yeah, it'd probably music. be a better bet to say, will you walk out and have a comment that is, okay, that was better than either a production of it I've seen or the movie, the original movie. I, I would say the odds of that, just knowing you, are probably at least plus 500. So I don't think. Big underdog. I do not think. Let's just be honest here. I don't think I will walk out of that and say, man, that was better than the Broadway show. I, I don't think there's any possibility. But given the budget and limitations that the Monty Python and the Holy Grail had, uh, as far as, you know, from a production standpoint, I think there's a very strong possibility I would walk out of that movie saying, if I had to sit through Spamalot or Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which one would I rather sit through as far as a a movie perspective, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Again, assuming that the adaptation is done well, 
I wouldn't be shocked if I say I'd prefer to watch Spam a lot. So it might be it might be at least an even bet. Minus one ten both ways. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I I'll say this, and this maybe this comes from the curmudgeonly I sat through all of the garbagey Star Wars prequels in the theater. Mm-hmm. I really hope they don't CGI the shit out of that thing. If they do, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm not saying don't use any. No. I get it. It's it helps. Use it judiciously. To me, it's like I always say about in a band, a rock band, if you have a drummer who has a China symbol, which makes a very distinctive sound, don't use it all the time. Use it judiciously. Mm-hmm. Because that distinctive sound becomes non-distinctive if you use it all the time. The same is for me as if you have someone who is a really great vocalist Mm -hmm. who can sing really high. Don't go way up high in your register all the time. It's not, then it becomes not a novelty anymore. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, they always do that. So they're doing it for show, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all that stuff. But if Spamalot does not go deep into the CGI catalog, I'll, I'll say great, awesome. I think you could easily screw it up, and this is how you would screw. Yes. Um, what makes the show, the movie, and I think the show so entertaining and uh, fun is the fact that you've got basically six guys, five to six guys, and they play so many different roles. They could totally screw up because that's the vibe of my Python. It's a vibe of Spamalot. If they then be like, hey, let's get the most famous people we have and put them in all these smaller incidental roles, I think that ruins it. I, I and completely I totally agree see there them too. going that route. I hope they don't, but that's the way you screw that. On at, again, judiciously. If you do that a couple times, you know, especially if you go and do it and you drop John Cleese and Eric Idle in. At judicious that, times. To, to be fair, if they just let John Cleese be the French taunter, <laughs> then it will automatically be an amazing movie. And the rest that, of it could be crap, but right. let John Cleese do the French taunter again. But it's like if you also then, okay, Ray Fine showed up to do one scene. Yeah. And we got Judy Dench to come out for a minute. Yep. If they do that two, three times, great. If you do that 30 times, I'm going to have a real problem with it because then it's like, oh, we assembled this ensemble cast of people who, you know, Tom Hanks showed up and yeah. put on a British accent. And oh my goodness, Ariana Grande is playing the part of <laughs> the lady of the lake. Yeah. Right. If they do that kind of stuff, yeah, that's going to turn people off. Yeah. And the final one I have for you is a show that we've discussed multiple times and have a very, uh, I would believe, hostile relationship to. <laughs> Uh, it's not the crucible is it they're remaking the king and i oh yeah well i i mean i'm going deep into the negative integer catalog for this one yes minus one million is my interest (laughs) level i like the the, what the uh producers of the show has said that a remake is reportedly in the works with quote a contemporary and diverse perspective oh I mean, so it wasn't we, we enough. We know that the white savior aspects of King and I are quite problematic. I think it's just to show you just 
put the dirt on and let's stay buried. Yeah. Like why you try to dig it out and then put the lipstick on yeah. the pig. Why is this show the Jason Voorhees of Broadway? Why does it keep coming back to life? I, you know, it, it wasn't, it, I mean, wasn't it bad enough that we had the Jodie Foster remake? Yeah. What, like 20 years ago? Uh, Why? Right. Wasn't it bad enough that we had Yule Brenner as the king? Yeah. And at one point, didn't we have a movie version with John Wayne reportedly as the king? He was supposed to be the king in a movie version is what I thought I heard. Like, are checking. you kidding I'm, me? I'm Even Yule Brenner. I, at least Yule Brenner was bald, I guess you could say. I could swear I heard a story that John Wayne was supposed to play the king and the king and I. A movie or a film version of it. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, was that not enough? Why? it? They tried. So before they settled on Yule Brenner, maybe... Maybe this is where you're getting confused. They tried to get Rex Harrison. Okay, maybe that was it. Same thing. Yeah. Rex Harrison. Yes. Really? Rex Harrison. Known for his hats. As the uh, Asian king of Siam. Yeah. I mean, it. uh, No, 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 no. Why? Why? So um, I would say overall, you and I appreciate the theater. I, I work in theater. You're on the board of a theater. Um, of these list of 17 musicals I've just given you, the people that, again, they're, they're making these shows for us. There might be like a handful, two to three, that we might actually watch in any capacity, and the rest we're going to give a pass on. That's bad. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, it, it shows you how much disposable money is still out there in the first world context. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into a political statement here, but why? Yeah. I know you have to put content out. Yep. Just like this theater has to put content out. I so, feel like there's so many ways to put content out, even if you say it's not original, because we don't do original shows here. No. We, we take shows that are existing and put them on here. Absolutely. We can still find enough to do multiple seasons in a row that are i think invariably interesting mm-hmm. and attract audiences of all types and we don't have to include just stuff that we believe to be crap and by crap i mean stuff that audiences won't come see yep so we're, we're you and i are going to do a quick take through this line if we had to put money on the following statement this show, this movie will make, will be a wise financial investment for the studio. Okay. So back through these 17 and just yes or no, will it be a good financial investment? Zero no. <laughs> and it might be none. Uh, no. No, I would agree with no. Matilda. Close to even. Matilda, again, close to even, but no. I say no. Wicked. I say yes. Possibly, I don't think it's going to make Ariana Grande while it would push us away. She's got that appeal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll say on the positive side of the ledger, a chorus line. Uh, On Netflix, so the pressures are on Netflix. Yes, I still say no. I think so. Beautiful, 
there's enough there's enough boomers out there i it's close but no guys and dolls no no little shop of horrors with taron edgerton scarlett johansson and chris Evans. no still not enough star might, power it might break even but it's not going to be close but no i just completely skipped that one so uh mean girls <laughs> uh no because there's too no. much original material that's contemporary fiddler on the roof no i think it that one may have a possibility just because of so many people's love of the show. Uh, only if they can find a way to make it an hour and 40. Yeah. Merrily we roll along. No. No, absolutely not. No. Once on this island? Nope. Only if they can keep the budget way down. Only if you can uh, fool enough people into thinking it was never anything before that. Yeah. Fun home? No. No. The band? No. That's no. a no for me. No. The color purple? I, that one I would say has a chance. Has a chance to be successful because it's, yeah, it has a chance. Spam a lot. A chance. I think a chance. But I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say no. If I'm a studio exec, I don't green light that. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I, um, I'll go see it, but I don't expect many people to see it with me. Yeah. I, and the king and I. No. No. I mean, again, not. minus one million. Minus yeah, a Google. I mean, I, I don't care what they do to it. I, unless they completely rewrite the show, it's not going to be socially acceptable. Well, how about this? What if they – how would this sound for if we were if we were tapping into our uh, right-wing side of our brains? What if we said, hey, we have a, re- a reimagining of this. It's called The Queen and I. It doesn't. It still doesn't address the <laughs> racial problems with the show. You're correct, but it ain't woke. At its <laughs> at its core, this is a white savior project. A, I don't know how you I don't know how you can change the show to not make it a white savior. Well, I mean it Yeah, I hear you. I agree. And not and not it be recognizable as the king and I. I agree completely. It's because if you take too much away, it's no longer the king and I. It's a completely different piece of content. Yeah. Which is, hey, that's probably better, but you don't have the name recognition. Because if you use the king and I, that's clearly what you're using as a backbone for the project. It just, if anything, it proves to me we are still at a point where everyone belabors this. But I'll say it again. Hollywood especially, but the creative world seems to be starved of new IP. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I understand why. Ideas are tough to come by, but I, you know, I, I've, I, and I will say as a person who has never finished a writing project, started a few, but you and I are about to start one and finish it. Oh, right. God. Um, you right. finish some occasionally. Um, I can't say I've ever even done that. Um, but there is, I think there's enough legit out there to make IP new IP from, but it's more about, you know, Hollywood and Broadway, especially Hollywood, but all of them are not that interested in making Yeah, because it's not a, they want more guarantees in their cash. Which again, I understand that too. So moving on, 
Yeah, are you ready for the Florida report? Well, we're ready first for a game that I like to call Take Your Shot, Fun Boy. Uh-oh, but there's no one to compete against. So you're saying I should save it? I think you should save it. Okay, well, we, you we know have I do gone by a while. Myself. I, I don't well. want to see you draw against yourself, and this is eight that I have this time. Oh, so you really would be flunking if you yeah. went over eight. We need someone to play against me for sure. Okay, so we'll but hold this off might be on a, that. A multiple, uh, assume, I don't know what your schedule is the rest of the week. It might be a multiple podcast week. Perhaps. We could possibly do that if we uh, get here early enough for Marcus to do it. Probably on Friday. Yeah, let's uh, let's play. So, okay, so we'll move on to the Florida report. Florida report today. Cue music. A man who faked his death nearly 20 years ago off of Florida Beach was found by the North Carolina police who stopped him for a traffic violation. Now, that may be interesting to you. Is his name Paul Scott? It is not. (laughs) Benny Wint was his name. He faked his death to avoid being arrested. However, the police were never after him. Does it say what his what his thought of charges were? He was paranoid because he had some narcotic narcotics related activity at the time. Get this. He faked his death all at the same time of having a fiance and a four year old daughter. I'd say that's probably more why he faked his own death. He he disappeared for over 20 years because he thought the police might be after him. Oh, thank you. Okay, that Benny sounds Wint. like that sounds like bullshit. I'm just gonna call it. He probably was more worried about the fiance four year old kid. Yeah. Well, and the, the fiance was not the mother of his four year old. Oh, yeah. Even more so. Yeah. He wasn't worried about some flimsy weed charge. Now this 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 amazing sentence. Oh uh, no. This this all of it falls into place. Okay. All right. I'm Bring just gonna it. read this sentence. This is from CNN.com. Went, <laughs> went now has a common law wife, a child, and a business selling NASCAR items. Uh, I mean, I, all, all I, there's it, a lot to digest there. <laughs> Can you read that one more time? Went now has a common law wife, a child, and a business selling NASCAR items. That's right. Does it say what kind of items we're talking about? NASCAR. I mean, like, well, I mean, like NASCAR ashtrays uh, and probably, yeah, like yeah. old. I, okay. Yeah. I can think of so many possibilities. I, I'm not even going to say it because, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A, a business selling what again? NASCAR items. That's, that's what he did. That's it. Huh? That's it. That's all he's got. Well, I, I hope it's lucrative. <laughs> Because he's he's about to need all of that gross revenue. Yeah. I mean, it that tells me it's easy to start your own business. I mean, he could just be living off welfare. That's just what he told people. Could we just sell all the items out of the GCT attic? I mean, we could. Yeah, we could call ourselves um, <laughs> thrift thrift or antique sellers. Yeah. yeah. The yeah, I'll think of a name at some point. But yeah, that, that just tells me how easy it is. Yes. Okay. So, thank you, Florida, for for um, Benny Wint. Yeah, appreciate that. Good job, Wint. Amazing story. So, uh, yeah. it, how do you spell his last name? Is it like George Wint? Uh, I don't know how you spell George Wint, but it's W I N T. Okay. No, George Wint would be W E N D T. So, uh-huh. I was like, is he related to Norm? 
or not norm. Uh, yeah, it is norm off cheers. Oh, okay. So George went is norm from cheers okay. and other, and other parts in movies and things over the years. And the bears skit on SNL. So what, what else you got for Florida? Oh, that's that's my Florida. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, what about dad jokes? Oh, dad Q jokes. music. Oh, hold on, I gotta get pulled up. Uh, oh, if only Christina was here to hear it, and Marcus. Marcus might have his own uh, slate of dad jokes. He might. So uh, they would not be near as good as ours. Well, true. You can't improve upon perfection. So that's true. So, what do you what what nuggets of gold do you have for us today? Um, <laughs> Doug Beetle Watson walks into a bar. He asks the bartender, "Is this stool taken?" Uh, <laughs> Christina would already be like she would have her head in her hands. She might have thrown something at me. Right? Yeah, that's possible. It uh, like when Cheryl threw a a beanie baby type thing at your eye and hit you. Yeah, that that. That hurt, yeah. You still have injuries from that, right? I do. I can't see you well. The lawsuit is pending. Absolutely. Uh, Which actor drives the least? Uh, Christopher Walken. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty clever. So, yeah. yeah. And the last one for today. You know, uh, did I ever tell you about why I got fired from the calendar factory? I just took a day off. Uh, wow. <laughs> we rose a little and then sunk right back into the mire. That's right. Of dad jokes. There, there. we go. That's good. Oh, here's a theater related one. Okay. What kind of entertainment do cows like? Musicals. Uh, that's right. That, that sounds Even like I it's out of the five-year-old's joke book. Yeah. You that's know, what my daughter would tell me a thousand and one jokes to make dad laugh. Mm-hmm. Musicals. So the uh, onomatopoeia that's buried in there. So um, I guess that's an onomatopoeia. I don't remember. Maybe it's a gerund or a infinitive phrase. Um, Gerunds. I like gerunds. Yeah. So a past participle. Um, My 11th and 12th grade English teacher would not be impressed with me right now. Yeah. So uh, moving on to uh, closing rants. What do you got today? I know you got something. Closing rants. Um, i trying to think what has upset me. I know I've got show. some. I always do. Um, oh, I, something we talked about earlier. There are now a record 559 scripted television shows uh, scattered. Uh, and scattered is the actual appropriate word for... Like um, scattering your seed? I mean, it's ridiculous. How many different services these things end up on? Um, I, I don't know how or why we need this many, particularly. Um, I, these things are not cheap to, to produce. I mean, uh, you know, you got these SAG rates, and, you know, the producers' rates and all that stuff. I don't know how anyone can make a show. And basically, to some extent, almost every show now is like for a very specific audience. Right. Um, the days of the mash finale, like seventy percent of the country watching that thing, it's yeah, over. That's gone. 
even the 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 highest rated NFL games are you know nothing compared to those audiences. So you get down to these levels of who and how many people are watching these things. Something you and I both watch a lot is wrestling. Uh, and uh, you know, as good as some of the wrestling product is, most wrestling shows on uh, cable average less than a million viewers per show. It doesn't matter how good the show, who's wrestling on the show, they still aren't going to get a million viewers. Yep. It just seems like there's a whole lot of wasted money uh, going into producing all these shows. And let's be honest, so many of the scripted shows these days are not very good. Um, if we could just concentrate more on, on quality rather than quantity, um, and uh, maybe, maybe that's the route route to go but again i got i got no dog in that fight um it just seems ridiculous to me that we have so many shows uh that are vying for our attention on a a nightly basis no i i completely agree and hear that point so good rant uh my rant i i'll call it short um it's, it's something I know I've ranted a little bit on this sort of theme before. Commercials. Oh, Jim, was, I love ranting about commercials. Too many commercials. I've said that before, um, especially with sporting events. So I'll start with that and say this is a two-parter, but I, again, I'm going to make it short, I promise. The first part is, especially if you are running a sporting event, and my son, my older son, is majoring in sports broadcasting at a uh, a major university in Texas, uh, and has explained to me what he's heard from his professors already as to why they take so many breaks, especially like a football game or something like that. And I know they all have built-in breaks at certain times. I get it, but it, it's have some situational awareness. You know, if it's one minute left in the first quarter and a team punts, don't take a break. Because I, as a football watcher, know that they're going to run two, maybe three more plays, and it's going to be the end of the first quarter. And you're definitely taking a break there, which I get why. Don't take a break with 59 seconds left in the quarter. Just go. I'd rather you take a longer break at the quarter and just get all your money then and then just start the second quarter because I know you have two breaks. You're not going to insult my intelligence by coming back from break, running two plays and going, all right, we'll take a break. And then the next you come out of that, and I I know you can't predict injuries or anything like that, but the first play, somebody pulls their, you know, fourth toe on their left foot and they're on the field down sitting and they say we'll step away i know that's because a lot of times especially in the old days they didn't want the tv still sitting there staring at an injured player because it's not respectful to the player or his family mm-hmm. get it you don't have to take a break and on something else and so my son has said well that's because they have so much material for a game And what if the game goes to be a blowout and now you have no more material? Okay. Why is that a bad thing? Why don't you just riff about something else? I'd rather hear them do what we do and just say, 
you know what? I'm out of material and be like, uh, I, I was driving to the stadium today and drivers in this town suck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not from Phoenix, but the drivers here just suck. They go slow as hell. They don't signal when they change lanes. I'd, I'd laugh about that. It's like, okay. I, again, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I've never thought of it that way. I've just assumed that like, kind of going back to what I said about there being so much, so many entertainment options, Netflix, Paramount plus Peacock, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and since the invention of the DVR, let's, let's just throw it back there. There are very few things that you can make a human sit through a commercial and watch. Anymore. Right. Um, and live sports is one of those things. So exactly. they squeeze every ounce of the ability because they know you're not, uh, you're, you may go grab a drink or whatever out of the fridge, but you're still going to be back. And to some extent you are a captive audience. You're not hitting the plus 30 second button on your remote because you can't, right. And you don't want to, uh, I mean, because you want to watch it live, um, you can't tape the game. You are, you are an actual captive audience. And those are so few and far between anymore that they just wear you out with commercials for those. And along those lines, this is the part B of said rant. Uh, and you've ranted about something similar to very similar to this before is stop showing me the same effing commercials over and over and over and over. I totally understand and a big advertiser. I'll make up comp, you know, well not I'm not making up the companies, but I'll just throw some out there. Coke, Pepsi, McDonald's, Taco Bell, uh, Frito-Lay, any of those types of companies, giant companies. They have the money to spend millions of dollars for ad revenue and say we know that if we advertise on the you know wild card weekend games of NFL and we just saturate the audience it's going to get some people to go and buy the spicy quesarito with buffalo meat in it at Taco Bell or it's going to go get to buy the new quadruple cheeseburger at McDonald's that we're offering for a limited time only whatever it is i'm obviously making those up but stop showing me the same ad over and over again. I, and some of this was brought on by a rant from another podcast that is actually a popular podcast that I listen to. Um, is the idea ours that, aren't popular? What's that? You're saying our podcast is not popular. Well, it's not as popular as this one. I'll it's say just, that. It's just undiscovered. undiscovered. Yeah, we, we are a diamond in the rough, that's, that's for right. sure. And totally undiscovered talent. But it's the... They brought up, you know, the host is from Boston originally and said the Applebee's ad with the cheer song in it that just insults him Hmm. because it's like nobody at Applebee's would know your name. And if they do, you go to Applebee's way too much, buddy. Absolutely. And he said in there, I'm sure Applebee's a fine restaurant. I'm going, no, it's It's not. not. Um, It's not. Um, you can get some very average chicken fingers and some other stuff there. You can get food poisoning there very easily. Exactly. Last, and so the last time I went there, they have not been in probably eight years. The only reason I went was because I had a gift card for Christmas. I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> it's funny you say that Carson got one for Christmas too. I was um, mad about it. <laughs> there was like a roach in my drink. Oh, and I didn't find it until like after I drank the drink. 
And what did they offer you? Another gift card? Just they they gave me my meal for free, so I didn't get to burn through the stupid gift card. Uh, We just gave it to somebody because we weren't going to go back. One, it's like you feel obligated to use it in some way. You just gifted it. Yeah, I just gave it. So it's yes, that I mean that and I struck me because Applebee's. I'm not from Boston, obviously, but Applebee's. You know that was like you're using a classic song to act like Applebee's is. I want to go where everybody knows your name. Uh, for, first of all, I hope they don't know my name at Applebee's if I ever end up there. Which, There's like no restaurant that I would feel comfortable with them knowing my name. Or which the, the person I've told you about that I work with in Kansas City that sometimes shows oh, up. Yeah, There's several restaurants in that area around our office that they apparently do know his name and they know exactly what he wants to order, <sighs> which is sad. Um, them, but that's it. I mean, you brought up Taco Bell ads. Yeah. Those were offensive. They have a new one out that's a dance competition in a what looks like to be a Dave and Buster's where they're dancing and they hear bong and they are Pavlovian dog response to walk out and go to Taco Bell. But Taco Bell has other ads that are just as stupid. Like, oh, it's a guy and girl sitting there. You can't tell if they're a couple or not or if they're just friends. She's basically taking all the good food, apparently, which I don't know if there is good food at Taco Bell. There's yes, just, oh, there is. The there's worse and potato there, soft taco. Is there's worse and worser. Uh, yeah, so. Um, but just so many of the same friggin' ads over and over and over. And it's been that way as long as I can remember in my years on earth yeah uh that it's the same ads over and over well the thing is i mean the money they're spending on the ad time is menace is i'm sorry dwarfs the amount they're actually spending to produce these ads so why don't you just produce two or three because at some point if you run the same ad over and over again you then begin to get a negative reaction like you and i have after seeing the same ad over and over we're like screw them right I am absolutely not going to to do or shop or eat there because I am sick of them yes. being in my brain trying to watch this game. It makes me want to avoid certain places. Yeah, absolutely. And so the last part of the rant has to do with, so, you know, it used to be, and it still is, the big thing to see what are the Super Bowl ads going to be. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, most years I'm at my house or somebody's house with a group and we're watching the game and going, Oh, here come the ads. Let's watch. And I, maybe it's because I'm conditioned because of this, but I don't remember the last time, uh, I've come out of a super bowl going, wow, the majority of ads just nailed it. I, I was laughing. I was enjoying it. It made me go, Okay. Yes, I'll go buy some Doritos because of that. I was going to buy Doritos anyway. Um, sure, yeah. So I guess that makes me not the target audience. That's it. I mean, I'm not saying there's that they're not that they're all crap. There are always a couple of again diamonds in the rough that come out of Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm just like, okay, that ad was funny. I just don't. If I was a big company. I would at least question the rationale of, do we really want to be spending one and a half million dollars per 30 second spot in the Super Bowl for this? Yeah. I mean, it's, I know it still gets a huge audience and it should, but is it really helping? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, particularly the brands that you know. Does Coca Cola need to advertise anymore? I, I, you can't explain to me why they would. They have complete brand recognition, brand supremacy, and brand market share. Why do they need to run an ad? Right. It's, well, we know what Coke tastes like. We know where we can get it. Do we need to re- be reminded? I mean, I get, I will say the exception of that would be uh, when you're sitting in a movie theater before the movie and they do the Coke ads. That makes sense because then you want to go, oh, I'm thirsty. Let me run. Which creates a Pavlov's dog type response to go, oh, I need a soda. Yeah. But are you, are you doing that at home? Do you watch a Coke commercial at home and be like, Oh crap, man! I, I gotta run to the grocery store right now and go get a coke. Yeah, at the it's very different, right? At the most, what you're saying is, oh, do I have coke in the house or not? I don't. Okay, well, shit, I don't have it. At the at the most, you'd say, oh, I do have it, and you go pour yourself some. Well, you already bought it. Yeah, you you're own, still you not it. the target audience anymore. You already bought it. They already have you on the hook. They're not. So in, they're not introducing anyone new to coke. Right. I mean, I Coca-Cola. What what is that product? What are they what are they selling me? A drink? Oh my. I I mean, I I just would think that the job, if anything, to be to try to think of the other side a little bit, I would say I would have to think the job of an ad executive or an ad creator or an ad developer is so difficult these days. Yeah. The same as trying to come up with original IP for movies and creative projects like that. Because it's like with songs. I mean, I, I remember I've read articles over the last, I'll say, 10 years that say how many new songs are really out there. There's only so many chords on a guitar. There's only so many, uh, you know, patterns on a piano. There's only so many this. That's true. And some of them, you're going to get to a point where we already at that point. Some songs sound like another song. Yeah, just it's the way it's going to be, but it's slightly different, and you're just going to have to accept that. And with ads, I still think that there's, I'll say, I believe, and again, this is from someone who's never done that job and doesn't sit down and design ads for a living and have to sit there and think of it for my well being and my family's ability to eat and pay the bills. There's got to be tweaks on what have happened before where you can say, okay, we're going to take this. We're not going to, we're not going to take something that was popular 50 years ago or 20 years ago and just make it ours. We're going, but we're going to take some of the original root of it and turn it into our own where it's, yeah, we did adapt off of source material, but it's, it's still new. I, again, I know there's a very, very fine line of that, but so I guess I'm saying I, I'm trying to see both sides of it, but the idea being is original, the original idea being why so many ads? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this comes from someone who sounds curmudgeonly and remembers the days like you do of you watch like a sitcom on TV and there would be a commercial with three ads in it. And then you're back to the show. Yep. These days, I feel like half the show is ads. A uh, 30 minute show on average has. Is uh, it 22 minutes right now? Between 19 and 22 minutes of actual programming. I and mean, just to hear 19. the credits. So, you know. 
which is bullshit. So you're basically taking two minutes out for credits. So let's say it's 19. So 19 of 28 minutes is content. Or even 19 of 30. 30. 19 of 30 is actual content. 11 minutes of ads and 19 minutes of entertainment. So less than two-thirds of it is original content. Yep. Good times, man. Yeah. Again, I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. It's me just going, so I'll shut up. Hey, guys, if you message us before, uh, and you can message the following email address, exec, which is E-X-E-C, at gctcomplay.org, and exec at gctcomplay.org. If you message us uh, prior to uh, February 4th, if you'd like to go watch Jackass Forever with uh, Paul and I uh, on the Late Show, uh, message us, and we'll buy your ticket for you. Uh, we'll whoa, buy a ticket for you whoa. and your friend. Uh, so let's see if we have any well, listeners out there that enjoy the same things we are and want to come enjoy some truly trash movies uh, with us. Again, that is exec at gctcomplay.org. And of course, the first person that emails will be the winner. And I will say two things to that. Number one, Brian threw it out there, so you will all sit next to him. And no, secondly, uh, uh, what, let me let me just put a caveat. You I will, have veto power over you will certain s- people. Be- because of uh, social distancing, you will be required to sit in the row in front of <laughs> or behind Paul and myself. Yeah. But it could be a free date for you and your significant other. So Yeah, and not because with us. The ladies love jackets. It's not a date with us. Ooh. That's for sure. Uh, no matter who you are. That's right. So, uh, yeah. But you got till uh, basically two weeks. Uh, let's see if anyone's actually listening and loves jackass like me. Yeah, that's wow. Dynamite drop in there. There you go. That broadcasting school has really paid off. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we will be at the theater with imbibing happening before, during, and after jackass forever. Well, and the main reason we're asking you to come is so you can drive this home. Yeah, that. And we, we I would love to hear that. I remember, you know, in in my younger days, back when movies in the theater were a bigger thing. Of course, COVID kind of threw a kink in that. But seeing a movie that's funny with a big, giant, full theater where everybody's laughing, it makes it funnier. Absolutely. So, yeah, Annie's making obscene gestures at the windows for us. So, yeah, I think she wants to go. (laughs) Right. Rub it, baby. So, um, yeah, I remember seeing The Naked Gun in the theater in 1989 or 88, whenever it came out, and with a full theater at the midnight show at what was then the Fair Four. And I-, I laughed my ass off, partly because the audience was full and we were all into it. And man, I, I can't remember many theater experiences being better. And I'm including stage theater in there too. So, but yes, it, it, if you want to help us fill the theater and sit next, sit in closer to of, Brian than me, in then, front yeah. of or behind us, yes, your choice. We'll and get you drive us seat. around where we don't have to pay you as an Uber. Then yes, please message wherever he said. Yep. Exactly. Uh, GCT come So GCT <laughs> He can't even talk. So. Uh, this is not even close to the state we'll be in that night. Sure, so yeah. two weeks from Friday, yeah. we will be at the late showing at whatever the closest theater to the theater is. Correct. 
All right. Well, we thank everybody for joining. Thanks to Marcus, even though he bailed. We'll be back Friday. Thanks to Annie for uh, rubbing her boob at the window. Um, thank thanks you. to Brian. So uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon on Friday. Bye.